0: In its quest to provide an open forum for discussion of controversial issues, this station allows hosts and their guests to express themselves without any significant censorship. You're advised that any views expressed by the hosts or their guests are not necessarily the views of Tug Entertainment or
1: its partners. Girlfriend, here is your show. Girlfriended, your chance to connect with other women, especially the woman that is most overlooked, yourself. Girlfriended is all about helping you become self-aware, not self-involved. The aim is to provide information that relates to life, which leads to real connections and results in a desire to connect or care for those in need. The Girlfriend It principle was born out of loss. Patty's mother was murdered, and Lisa lost her mother to cancer. This forged a bond between them that nothing could shake. And now the women want to help you in more ways than you can count every day. From the website, GirlfriendIt.com, and the movement, GirlfriendIt.com. Here are Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan on TogiNet.com.
2: Welcome to Girlfriend at Radio. We are Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan, and today's show promises to be riveting and educational. Well, and that's humbly said from Patty's (laughs) mouth, I might say. I think you are claiming this as well, because we've been anticipating this interview ever since I finished reading his
3: book, Out of a Far Country. I actually remember you reading You devour books, so you read so many books that I can't keep track of, but I actually remember when you read that book, because I think you stopped and you read every word (laughs) on every page, which is so unusual for you.
2: Well, I do feel like I really digested this one, and it, it caused me to pause and pause. Ponder this particular issue, and it's it's always funny when you know you're reading a book or or God puts something in your hands that all of a sudden you realize you have other friends and other people in your life that are dealing with this particular um, issue that I was reading about. I even had a girlfriend all the way from high school, that came to me and said, I am dying here because her teenager had just sat down and and announced
3: this this particular issue that we're going to be talking about today. Well, our guests that we have are sought-out experts. They're authors and speakers when it comes to this, this topic. And we have a mother and a son who have personally experienced and been affected by it. Today we're talking about what do you do when your child or loved one reveals that they are living in a gay lifestyle. And Christopher Yuan, you discovered at
2: an early age that you were different and you were attracted to other boys. Um, Angela, your mom, uh, as a mom, uh, you you obviously wanted to control the situation, but you had to deal with your own personal demons that were determined to defeat you. And... Now we're asking you guys in less than one hour <laughs> to unpack all of this heartache and all the way to your current heartbeat and from the confusion that led to prayer and your surrender that led to holiness. I mean, we just have so much um, here to unpack. So we just want to, first of all, just welcome you. We are so honored to have you on the show. And secondly, just thank you for being so authentic, so real and vulnerable to just put your story out there in the way that, that you did. So um, and we would also say, to, for our listeners out there, to not just walk and get this book, literally to run and grab this book. But before you run, we're going to listen to Christopher and Angela. <laughs> yeah, hold that. Hold yeah.
0: Well, thanks for having us on, Patty and Lisa. It's, uh, it's, we often say that it's really not our story. We really didn't do much. It's really God's story of him just drawing us to, to himself in spite of ourselves. Uh, but, you know, it, it kind of began with um, I was raised in a home. Both my parents were not Christians, so we didn't own a Bible. We would not go to church. But I struggled with homosexuality. I had these feelings from a very young age. I would say about nine years old was the first time that I realized I had these feelings. I came across pornography at a friend's house, and that was kind of the, um, the first time that I remember having those feelings Uh, but you know at nine years old i didn't know i was not about to tell anybody about it and really was hoping that it was just going to be a phase that this would somehow go away well they didn't Uh, i was 16 years old that was my first time i had my first um, uh, intimate relationship or encounter and um, But I kept my feelings hidden after that, through high school, uh, college, and even into the Marine Corps Reserves. Then when I was in my early 20s, I began going out secretly to the gay bars in Chicago, where we live. Um, and then when I started dental school and I moved to Louisville, Kentucky, that's when I finally came out of the closet. And uh, I went home and broke, broke the news to my mom and my dad.
3: Hmm. Okay, so I, I just gotta unpack that a little bit. How I can't even imagine having to reveal something and especially probably at that time, just it was even harder. How do you prepare to go? I gotta go talk to my to my parents and and how is that how are you anticipating it being received?
0: Well, you know, I um I had been probably out of the closet for about uh, several months at that point um so in my uh, in my personal life though i wasn 't living at home i was pretty pretty open so it it was um, y- you know i I've, all my friends knew my classmates knew um all my friends were gay anyway, and so it was kind of very natural for me that i didn't um, i i didn't kind of you know, think, think anything, anything of it. And it was actually, I want, it was kind of a relief. I wanted it finally come out of the closet. And, you know, for most people uh, that I know, uh, telling, telling their parents is probably uh, one of the last steps. Mm. They usually first come out to their friends, and, um, and, and often it's the parents that know, that, that find out last. Mm-hmm. Or, or at least I, I would, I would say, parents usually have an idea, but when it's uh, the child actually kind of, um, you know, brings it out and tells them, usually parents are the last one. But, but you know, the situation that happened, as as many people can see in the book, um, and and we kind of purposely wrote it from my perspective and my mom's perspective so we have alternating chapters with uh you know interwoven narratives so we so the reader can really get a sense of um getting kind of into our skin and and understanding what we're thinking and and we were pretty honest with Mm -hmm. what we thought because we wanted um people to understand uh, kind of what the other person was thinking so this way Prodigals of, uh, parents of prodigals can kind of get into the skin of, of a prodigal and, and see, oh, that's what they're thinking. Because often parents think, what in the world is my son or daughter thinking? Why are they doing this to me and, and stuff like that? When when really, from the prodigal's perspective, and not at all to justify my, my actions, but I felt like I was the one that was kind of the victim. Mm-hmm. And, and of course, you know, I'm, I, I, I certainly don't believe that, but, but I'm just... Not at all to justify, but I'm just trying to give people an idea of what I was thinking or what a prodigal was thinking. But also I wanted people to get into the skin of the parent and what the parent was thinking as well. So we were really honest and tried to be as, as honest as possible and, and also to show as an unbeliever what we were thinking and kind of the, our thought process and, and our judgments and stuff.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Well, I have a very controversial, crazy question for you, Christopher. Okay. I'm sure one you've been asked several times. But you know, just in the whole Christian community, um, it it can come up and it it seems to start quite quite a discussion. Do you feel that you that God created you this way? With that's just your your biological makeup.
0: hmm Well, um, when, before I became a Christian, uh, and for, you know, for as long as I remember, you know, th- those were my words back then, I had these feelings. I always knew I was different. So I certainly felt at that time that I was born gay. Um, and, you know, I, I didn't really feel. Um, I didn't really understand God or or any of that, but yet certainly, the the little that I kind of thought, you know, I, I might have said, yeah, God made me this way. Hmm. Um, however, I think when. When we say that, and and people who do, we really must understand what it means to be human, because my explanation for why I thought that I was gay was because I never chose these feelings, and I've had these feelings, or I felt different for as long as I can remember. Well, if we understand Orthodox Christianity correctly, uh, a correct theology of what it means to be human means that every one of us – no one is um, exempt. Every human being has been born with a sinful nature that we never chose, that mm-hmm. we've had for as long as we remember. And what does that mean to have a sinful nature? Well, a sinful nature means that we are tempted with feelings that can draw us away from God. Mm-hmm. And those feelings, uh, you know, God certainly created us with to have feelings, but not every feeling that we have is from God. Mm-hmm. Um so I think we often then misunderstand or often forget uh, what it means to be human. And simply because we have a feeling for as long as we remember, simply because we have a feeling that we never chose, um, doesn't mean then that it makes it right or that it doesn't mean then that God made us that way. And so, you know, I, I know uh, with uh, an example is alcoholism. You know, I think science has kind of, we all pretty much agree that there are many factors in, that, that bring about alcoholism. Mm-hmm. Um, and for many people who come from alcoholic parents, they have unfortunately inherited something uh, that gives them a predisposition toward mm-hmm. alcoholism. Mm -hmm. Does that then make it right? Does that justify their actions? Of course it doesn't. But on the same token, it doesn't also then automatically make a child born to an alcoholic mother, an alcoholic father, automatically an alcoholic, because there's many different factors involved as well. There's both biological factors and environmental factors that are involved in uh, kind of the bringing out of this, uh, you know, I don't know what you want to call a condition or this uh, of alcoholism. And also, I think in the same way, that is our sin. I think there, because of the fall of man, we all, including our, our biology, has been distorted because of the sin. Uh, but then that doesn't automatically make someone an alcoholic or make someone whatever. I think all of us are born with a bent towards sin. Uh, but then how we're raised, the decisions we make as we grow older, you know, the environmental influences, then either bring out that sin or that struggle or that temptation or kind of suppress it. So it's a complicated answer. I don't believe, though, that people are born uh, gay, but I, I do believe that some people might be born with a predisposition or a bend toward that and they,
2: yes you really articulated that so well i i still want to like dissect some of that but we are going sure. to go for a commercial break and stay with us we will be right back with christopher and his mother angela thank you
1: is girlfriend on togynet don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on girlfriended.com it's time to discover it connect it propel it Girlfriended. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriended Radio, right after these. Are you ready to get your woohoo on? From business and branding to babies, best-selling books and personal breakthroughs? Then it's time to tune in to Woohoo Radio, Love, Life, Business and the Pursuit of Happiness, with your host Lisa Stedman. Wednesday afternoons at 4 p.m. Central on toginet.com. Using her signature blend of inspiration, motivation and kick-butt action, best-selling author and chief woohoo woman Lisa Stedman wants to help you discover the woohoo that only you can do. Lisa will show you how to create your signature woohoo way of love, life, business, and the pursuit of happiness without losing yourself. If you're tired of a one-size-fits-all approach to career, relationships, and personal growth, get your weekly woohoo on with Lisa and her rock star guests as they reveal their personal stories of bouncing back from boohoo of rock bottom into the woohoo of love, life, business, and the pursuit of happiness. Check out her website, LisaStedman.com. Join us for Woohoo Radio. Love, life, business and the pursuit of happiness, Wednesday afternoons at 4 p.m. Central on toginet.com. Parents, if you feel overloaded, overworked, underappreciated, and seriously stressed out, The Parents' Plate is here to help you. The Parents' Plate with Brenda Nixon, Tuesday mornings at 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Central on toginet. It's time to build stronger families through parent empowerment, and that's what The Parents' Plate does. The Parents' Plate understands the busyness of life and balancing child rearing and other commitments. Brenda Nixon will be talking to noted experts and authors on all issues from teething to team driving
3: Well,
2: welcome back to Girlfriend It. We are speaking with Christopher Yuan and his mother, Angela. And Christopher, you were featured in the award-winning documentary, Hope Positive, Surviving the Sentence of AIDS um and and also you co-authored with your mother out of a far country a gay son a gay son's journey to god a broken mother's search for hope and we are so excited to have you on the show today and we were just kind of dissecting that controversial question of are you born gay and love the way that you articulated um that we're all born as sinners. I mean, I, I love to eat way too much and I love to like soak in chocolate as if it's water. And that's probably not the best thing I can do for my body, but that, those are my choices. And, and that's basically you're articulating that same thing that we can choose what we're doing with the temple that, we, that God has given us that, that gift of having. And um, can you, at what point were you able to figure that out? That those were your choices.
0: Well, that didn't come till much, much later. Um, till I would say, kind of the uh, the, the beginning. Uh, you know, I guess it was be, be the end of our book and the kind of beginning of of our my journey with uh, walking with God. But that was quite a bit of, of time later after years of prayer for my mom and um, and kind of. Coming to the realization, and, and even I would say it, it wasn't immediate that I first—it was first really coming to Christ, and then kind of understanding myself through the lens of Scripture. That then uh, I realized, kind of, uh, you know, the my misunderstanding of who I was and uh, what it meant to be to be human and to have a human nature.
3: Christopher, did you and your journey, and and as you were living your lifestyle, did you hit a point where you hit rock bottom, and what did that look like?
0: Well, you know, I I would say it was um, quite a bit later. <laughs> uh, at first, you know, after that, our story begins with me coming out to my mom, um, and she could probably tell you a little bit about, uh, you know, how she wanted to kill herself, and. Um, that was pretty, pretty dramatic. As my, my mom's kind of life fell apart and stuff.
2: So, well, yeah. Angela, yeah. Before you share that, um, I think this is so significant for parents because when our children do come to us with with anything that they're they're dealing with, as a parent, we always feel that it's our fault. It's something we've done. And don't you feel that it's easy to put the blame on? ourselves our or ourselves but yeah. it,
3: and we, we take it and we carry that and and, and what did know. I do wrong it's my fault I
2: must have caused this well
3: parenting and the best case scenario still comes with guilt mm-hmm. a lot of guilt because I could have or I should have and especially when a child comes with a subject like this can only imagine what you know what you experienced so Angela can you just kind of unpack your feelings and your journey at this point
4: Yes, um, I uh, certainly felt uh, that must be my fault or our uh, situation, our broken marriage problem caused our children. And, yes, I feel not only feel uh, guilt, and I also feel a lot of shame. So when I heard Christopher, um, that he just said, Say that he was a homosexual. You know that it was devastating. I don't even think devastating was enough to describe my reaction. Yeah, you know, at that moment, not uh, nothing can describe how I felt. And it was worse than receiving news of Christopher's death. And mm-hmm. He could, uh, yeah, I, and I even think, oh, he could have uh, cut me with a knife, mm. and I would even uh, uh, feel hurt less. So. Um, and I also actually was uh, in the process of uh, getting a divorce. And at that moment, I just don't feel I have anyone to turn to. Mm-hmm. And um, especially Christopher, who was the closest to me and my last ray of hope, and I felt he just uh, betrayed me. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I totally felt that was at the end of my rope. And mm-hmm. so I determined... Uh, to do the unthinkable, and I was going to uh, end my life.
0: Mm. Mm.
4: Yeah, and then um, I went to uh, some. For some reason, I was not a Christian at that time, and I I just thought I need to see a minister. You know, um, I never been in the church. I don't know anybody, and I heard there's a uh, uh, minister in the. My husband used to work in you know, a Loyola Dental School. So I thought, at least I want to see him before I kill myself. You know? And mm-hmm. I also want to say goodbye to Crystal for the last time. And so, Angela, uh-huh.
2: I have to interrupt you right there. I, yeah. I find that that is always so intriguing. You just stated you didn't even like Christians. And yet you knew at this point in your journey that <laughs> Mm-hmm. I need to talk to a pastor. I need to talk to someone. And I think just for our listeners to hold on to that, so many times we're out there planting seeds and we don't even realize. I know my girlfriend from high school, I, ha- I haven't seen her. Well, I won't tell you how long it's been since I've seen her because that'll give away my age, but I hadn't seen her in quite some time. and will, yet, no. <laughs> But yet they contact you because they know there was something different about you in in Mm -hmm. in in your relationship and then that's who they want to talk to when they have this dilemma in their life yeah when they have a crisis and i just think that 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 truly is so powerful because Mm -hmm. as the listeners out there we need to be really trained on it because when people come to us i you know you just sit there and go i don't know just (laughs) love jesus (laughs) you know it's and and here they are pouring their heart out, and we don't we don't know the right response, or we're going to judge them. We're just going to say, "Oh, it's wrong." This is what it says in Romans, and we're going to you know make them feel just beat up for even coming to you. So it's really important to know at this point what what did this pastor say, or how how were you helped in this way?
4: Yeah, you brought that such an important point, Lisa and Patty. You know, we often plan C. Uh, we didn't even know, you know, so how how would I go to see a pastor? I never go to a church, here. You know. but this, I don't even remember everything he said, but he did give me a pamphlet uh, regarding to homosexuality. So I have that small pamphlet in my hand and uh, just decide this is my last day. And I want to just end my life. And um, went to see Christopher so for the last time. Just said goodbye. So, on that train, I read that pamphlet mm-hmm. in which it explained the plan of salvation. And that mm-hmm. all of us are sinners. Yeah, God loves us in spite of our sin. Mm-hmm. I might heard this before, but it does not make sense. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's God's timing. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. It. You know. The. You know. We just. Cannot believe how Holy Spirit will work, you know, the time we need it. And so uh, the Holy Spirit just revealed His plan of salvation through Jesus Christ, in which changed my plans and changed my life forever.
3: It is so. It, you know that's such a remarkable story, and just how, like you said, it's God's timing, and how God so pursues us and loves us so much, even when we can't even look at ourselves in the mirror sometimes. And and just how the Holy Spirit, the power of transforming a life, when you were on the brink of like saying to yourself, literally, this is my last day, and how God just got a hold of you and was able to just transform you, and to see how now you are speaking, you know, for Him, and and you guys have an incredible ministry that you, like you said, it's God's story that he's allowing you to tell and how powerful it is for so many people. And we just, we just, um, we, we just appreciate you guys just, and that you've been, because like Patty said, this issue affects so many people, and a lot of times we don't even know because people suffer in silence with this issue, and are afraid to come out and are afraid to tell somebody because they're afraid they're going to be judged or whatever. And we really got to start creating communities and churches and environments where your story is safe, no matter what your story is. And I just, I just need to be loved. I need, and I need Jesus, and you I know? need to know Jesus loves me no matter what. Yes. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's so unfortunate because I feel like um, in the church, there's this elevation of this issue to be above almost any other issue that um if it's if someone is gay or lesbian or even struggles with these issues then they are shunned by the community, and and I mean I I, I have to say I, I do feel encouraged. I think uh, that the churches that I speak at are really getting it and are are understanding grace that that we cannot elevate one sin above the other sin or elevate this sin and think of our sin as as being not as bad. But uh, really, God is when it comes down to it, our sin separate us eternally from God, whether it's anger or jealousy or or um, gossiping or whether it is some some sort of sexual immorality and when we elevate one above the other, I, I believe we we become kind of like modern-day Pharisees. And, and looking at the life of Jesus, we see how Jesus was so compassionate. I was just reading through the Gospel of Luke this morning. And the, the prostitute who went and to the Pharisee's house where Jesus was eating, and she wept and, and washed Jesus' feet with her tears, he was so patient and compassionate upon her, and yet he was you know, just spoke out against the Pharisees, you know, woe to you. <laughs> he did not hold back. And, um, and I think often on this issue of homosexuality, some of us have elevated homosexuality. Well, okay, I, I might, you know, lust, but at least it's heterosexual lust, not homosexuality. And, and when we do that, I, I don't think that that is really understanding grace and understanding the need for all of us to come before Jesus and to deny ourselves and pick up our cross and follow him.
3: And it's so well said. And you know, we just have a few seconds, so we're going to take another commercial break. Um, but the point that you you have made and keep making so clear is God calls all who are lost to come home, and that is really the message. It doesn't matter, like you said, the sin. There's not all these degrees of sin. But when we come back, um, Christopher, we're just going to keep talking about just the hope that's there and just this tough issue. And just because so many people are, are thinking about things with this issue, but they don't ever verbally say it. So we, when we come back, let's kind of talk about some of those things that maybe people are thinking, but they don't address and they don't want to address, especially at church or among their friends or family. And you guys have the courage to really bring this out and, and really talk about that. So stay with us. We'll be right back with Girlfriend at Radio.
1: is Girlfriended on TogiNap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on Girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it. Girlfriended. and we'll be right back with more Girlfriend Radio right after these. In today's business world, a helping hand or idea that doesn't come with an invoice is a treasured find. And if that happens to you, then you need to pay it forward to keep other entrepreneurs from making mistakes or getting a raw deal. It's called Paying It Forward with Josephine Girasi Wednesday mornings at 10, 9 a.m. Central. Josephine is going to have the guests describe their accomplishments, the lessons they've learned, both good and bad and then sharing those pieces of knowledge as we create a movement of paying it forward. For more information about Josephine, her business, and background, you can go to MyMomKnowsBest.com. Josephine Jirasi has always been a problem solver. She saw this need and has turned it into a movement. It's paying it forward. With tips, tools, and advice, and hard lessons learned, these pieces of knowledge can make a huge difference for you, your business, and others. So join us for Paying It Forward. With Josephine Jirazi, Wednesday mornings at 10 a.m., 9 a.m. Central, on toginet.com. Everyday Autism Miracles with Shannon Penrod, Friday afternoons at 2, 1 Central, on toginet.com. Life after an autism spectrum diagnosis doesn't have to be difficult. It can be joyful, happy, and filled with hope. Join Shannon Penrod, author, speaker, coach, and mom of a 6-year-old recovering from autism for this inspirational hour of hope. She's even authored a series of children's autism books with her son, Jim. For more information about the books, Shannon, and Everyday Autism Miracles, go to her website, shannonpenrod.com. From there, you can also get to her other websites, blogs, and connections. On Everyday Autism Miracles, you'll hear stories from parents whose children have made miraculous strides. You'll also get the inside dish on therapies, treatments, supplements, and how to get funding to help you afford them. Miracles abound in the autism community. So tune in for Everyday Autism Miracles to listen, share, laugh, and surround yourself. Yourself with hope. Everyday autism miracles with Shannon Pinrod Friday afternoons at 21 Central on Toginet.com. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio, a chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on Toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa.
2: Back to girlfriend. It we are talking today with co-authors and speakers Christopher Yuan and his mother Angela, who um, co-authored the book Out of a Far Country, and. We, um, first of all, we were just unpacking the, the, your whole story, Angela, of how you were at the point where you were ready to take your life and, and Christopher just coming out and having to tell your parents that you were gay. But I would also like to go into how Satan distorts so many things and how he comes along and it's so enticing, especially for our kids today. You know, when he draws you in, you never see the, the end Results of that draw. You
3: can't see where where that sin is taking you, the path. It looks very good because it's step by step. And before you know it, you were so far into it and you had no idea how you got there. So tell
2: us a little bit about, because you're so genuine in in your writing and how you unpack that. Can you just share a little bit about that that part of your journey?
0: Sure. Well, you know, I I would, after that whole um, time, after I came out to my parents and, you know, my mom was about to end her life um god saved her though through you know a little pamphlet well my mom can't comes to faith the mir- i mean it was just an incredible miraculous Dramatic transformation then uh, eventually my father does they don't get divorced they stay together they're, mm-hmm. they've been married for now almost 47 years Yay. and uh yeah and and then um i was just running in the opposite direction i mean i saw that my mom came to faith i saw i was like oh well i guess you know they're not divorced anymore okay good for them but you know that's good for them not for me Um, and I just, I just did my own thing, um, was in and out of relationships. Unfortunately, I began experimenting with drugs. Not, not all gays and lesbians do drugs, but that's, that is unfortunately part of my story. I was doing this while in dental school, so I didn't have much money, so I, so I started selling drugs. And, you know, kind of like as you alluded to just a moment ago, uh, the enemy, he, we never have to go looking for sin. We don't have to go looking for trouble. <laughs> it will find us. And often people are... It's easy to get disgusted by other people's sin. You know, say, how could that person be doing whatever, X, Y, and Z drugs or mm-hmm. or whatever it is? And And the reality is... That's, that's easy to look at someone else's sin, but we need to be looking at our own sin and saying, why am I still wrestling with, you know, or or giving in to these things, whether it's acting upon it or whether it's in the secrecy of our minds. And, you know, I we were really raw in the book, and, and I wanted to show that sin is enticing. It was fun at the moment, and it, and I, I think the enemy will kind of promise you all these things. I, I, was, I began selling drugs all the while, while I was in dental school, I was living larger than life. Unfortunately, I was expelled from dental school, moved to Atlanta, Georgia, I became a supplier to other dealers, and I mean, I felt like I was Superman. And I had the money, I had the drugs, fame, sex, I had it all. Everything that the world says that I should have or must have to be happy. Happy I had it. Um, there's a chapter in the book where I, I, I even showed kind of the depth that I had gone, you know, being in, uh, you know, it's called the bathhouse and, and being, I mean, it was just uh, the drugs and the promiscuity and, you know, look, I, you know, it probably made it some readers cringe, but I, I just wanted to show that, you know, I never intend to start out and saying, you know what, I think I want to be a drug addict, or I think I want to be, you know, really promiscuous. It just happened, and that's what happens when we let it happen. Mm-hmm. That's what happens when we um, first don't have Christ, and if we just allow things to go, I think often we will find ourselves in that situation. So, um, You know, my parents didn't know the extent that I was, how how far I had gone, but my mom knew that I needed to know Jesus. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes parents of gay children, they want their children to stop being gay or to start, you know, to become straight or whatever, and yet my mom knew that those things are just peripheral issues, that the core issue is that my heart needed to be right, that I needed to be fully surrendered to Christ. And if I get that portion right, if I, I mean, that's not a portion, that's like the whole thing, if I get that part right, God will take care of the rest. So my mom, she fasted and prayed every Monday for seven years. She enlisted over a hundred of her friends from church, from Bible mm-hmm. study fellowship group, and they began to cry out to God for me. And my mom prayed a very bold prayer, which was, God, do whatever it takes, whatever it takes. Mm. And, you know, that's... That's a pretty bold prayer for for a mother to make. That is, that is <laughs> extremely bold. Yeah, especially,
2: <laughs> especially as a parent, I find mm. myself praying. Well, first of all, I I love the fact that Angela, you were praying, just whatever it takes for him to find that relationship with Christ. Not whatever it takes for him to not be gay because it's exactly what you said it's like okay Mm -hmm. so so i gossip am i am am i saying that prayer lord do whatever it takes to stop my sin and gossiping you know we we don't pray those prayers and as a matter of fact i think of just with my i have three children and whenever i i pray for something specific i always say and please be gentle please don't Mm. you know don't don 't expose too much, you know we have a tendency to to not really be that bold because we don 't mm. want to have to suffer or let our children suffer
0: yeah and i, I don 't think i mean i wouldn't i don 't want to wish suffering upon anybody, but if we 're honest and read through scripture, the bible's pretty clear about the saints that have gone before us who suffered, and it was through mm. their suffering that they really got to experience the intimate Grace and love of God, and they just grew in their understanding of who God was. And, you know, often we just are sometimes real critical about kind of the health, wealth, and prosperity kind of movement and the gospel. And we say, oh, that's so wrong. God is not about to just, just simply give us health, wealth, and prosperity. But I sometimes wonder, as we pray for our children, what do we pray for? Oh, I pray that, you know, my child is healthy and is successful and has a good job. And not to say that we should not pray for those, but I believe we need to pray as Jesus did in the garden. And when Jesus, I mean, he said, take this cup away from me, but not my will, yours Mm -hmm. be done. Mm -hmm. Because we don't know the wisdom of God and what it will take for our children or even ourselves because I would have to say if it was not for all the madness that I put my mother through I don't I don't even know if if our whole family would even have come to faith so it was and and, and her just incredible growth and spiritual understanding of Christ I think it was really through the fires of the uh, situations that in the fires of um, struggle
3: Mm. and and you know what especially I think as Americans we value our convenience and comfy and safety, Mm. almost as our idols. And so like you said, we we pray that for ourselves and for our children, because we don't want to see our children have to struggle through anything. We want to make it really easy for them. And so that you're right. That is such a bold prayer, Angela, for you to pray for your son, because you don't know what God's going to do. And it's like, you just have to release. And we do have to release our children to the Lord to go, okay, God, they're yours first. You love them more. Than we do, and our first desire is that they would know you so intimately, and mm-hmm. that is a hard prayer to pray. But it's so, and look at how life changing that was. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I do
4: uh, learn that we parents just cannot change our particles, but God can. So yeah, exactly. we, yeah. So I learned we must present our particles to the Father, like Hannah. Left Samuel at the temple, mm-hmm. or oh, Abraham placed Isaac on the <laughs> altar. So I just pictured, you know, I have to lay my Isaac on the altar, mm-hmm. and as hard as it, as it was, but that's the only thing we can do, and so we we just have to ask God to do His miracle and change our son. Mm-hmm.
2: And we want to do it with our words as mothers. I think so many times we want to control it and rather than letting the Holy Spirit be in control. And so that's such good advice that we have to lay them down on the altar because it's really easy to become the preacher as parents, mm-hmm. and which becomes the nagger.
0: Mm-hmm. And it's never easy to do that. I mean, Abraham... Anna, I don't think it was really easy for them to do that, but, uh, but I mean, kind of through their obedience and through their incredible faith, uh, they did that. And um, and as you see, you know, the work that Samuel did and, and Isaac. So. Um, so anyway, I mean, I was in the depths of my sin. My mom, she fasted 39 days for me. Mm. I mean, it was just, she was so desperate, and she prayed. Um, she had a little prayer closet that, um, it was, actually, it, it's her shower that she <laughs> turned into a prayer closet, a uh, mm-hmm. little bench in the back that she used to kneel down. I mean, she would spend, she still spends hours every morning mm-hmm. reading her Bible and praying. And um, so it's you know, she she knew that she could not change me. And then that was probably the hardest lesson for her to learn first, that she could not change me. Mm-hmm. But only God can. I mean, she needed to do her part, but her part was not doing the Holy Spirit's job, but her part was First, reflecting Christ in everything that she did. And, and the only way that she could do that was only through her personal revival mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. just renewal in her own spirit and, and being transformed. And, and that was, if I can see Christ in my mom, that was, that was, the, best, that was the best hope of bringing me to Christ.
2: Isn't that so interesting? And and we can learn that on, on any level. When people see Christ in us, that is the, the biggest testimony ever. It's not what we say. It's what they see in us, and that is that relationship. If we always just go back to that of Jesus loves me, Jesus loves you— We are weak. He is strong. You know, we just go back. People (laughs) want what we're having. They want it. They crave it. But we try to do it um, so many times with our words. Well, we only have one minute left before we go into a commercial break. And, um, Christopher, I I would love just to kind of um, talk about you guys are out there speaking now, and I know that um, as you speak on this particular topic, for so many people, if they do not have the Holy Spirit living within them, if they if they don't have Christ, then it's really easy to get angry. Um, you, you know, you're seen as a, a bigot. It's like all kinds of fun things that I'm sure that you're up against. So when we come back from the commercial break, I would love for you to just share what takes place um, just as you're out there speaking. So. Stay with us. We'll be right back after this commercial.
1: This is Girlfriend on TogiNap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on GirlfriendIt.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, girlfriend it. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriend It Radio right after these. It's time to capture the simple piece of the Amish in your own life. Amish Wisdom with Suzanne Woods-Fisher. Thursday afternoons at 5, 4 Central. Each week, Suzanne will have conversations with guests about living a life that incorporates principles of the Amish without going Amish. She'll cover the practical, simplicity, slowing down, reducing clutter, putting the brakes on materialism. The historical, how have the Amish survived for 400 years? How can we hold on to what we hold dear? And the spiritual, treasuring important values, honoring the past, and increasing peace of mind. You don't have to become Amish to make personal peace a reality. Amish wisdom will help all of us live a simpler life. For more information, go to SuzanneWoodsFisher.com. With Amish wisdom, Suzanne offers us a glimpse into a world of peace, serenity, and total commitment to family and God. This show just might change the way you live your life. It's Amish Wisdom with Suzanne Woods Fisher. to team driving.
3: Welcome back to Girlfriend at Radio. We are continuing our discussion with Christopher and Angela Yuan. And they are the authors of um, Out of a Far Country: A Gay Son's Journey to God, A Broken Mother's Search for Hope. You can also find more about Angela and Christopher by going to Christopher Yuan, Y-U-A-N dot com. And also we'll be having information on girlfriend at dot com. And again, we we just want to thank you guys for taking your time at this day, just to share this amazing story and going into a conversation that it it really is difficult and people like to avoid this issue of, you know, what do you do when when a child reveals that they're gay from a mother's perspective, from the son having to and just talking about um, the power of a mother's bold prayer um, to say, God, they're yours and your will be done and so as we just wrap up our time um, Christopher, we just want you to just kind of just kind of recap a little bit because this this is a difficult subject and there's a lot of um, you know preconceived ideas and notions and misunderstandings and misperceptions. But how can we really, as the body of Christ and as neighbors and as family members, how can we truly respond and love um, you know our family and friends that come out and say, "Hey, my my child is just came out saying this," or. My child is, how do we re- appropriately respond? Well, and, and I have to cut in on that question. Okay.
2: <laughs> <laughs> how can we respond when, um, our friends who are not believers are looking at that going, this is horrific that you're calling this, you know, you're calling my son a, a sinner," and it's like, they're not understanding. No, everybody is a
0: center. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, you know, I, I think, uh, my best example or, or what i what i know best is how my mom and dad uh treated me and reached out to me and loved on me and, and and when i say love i'm not i'm not taking kind of the world's understanding of love which is live and let live but love as in kind of biblical sometimes tough love uh, love's that 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 speaks truth, but not just condemns you, but speaks truth in pointing you to Christ. And you know, after all those years of being in drugs, you know, I was in prison, uh, or I, I got arrested, and I was in prison. That that was God's answer to my mother's prayer. <laughs> not mm-hmm. something that any mother would want, but <laughs> that's what I needed. And you know, it took that. Why? I mean, it, I think I started coming to Christ, I found a Bible in the trash can, and um, just amazing thing that God was doing my, in my life. But my parents were so patient, and they just allowed God to work. I mean, they did see God working, um, but they kept wanting to ask about homosexuality, but they didn't. You know, do, They wanted to ask, do you think homosexuality is a sin? Are you still gay? But they didn't. And... Mm-hmm. And and what I appreciate about that is they allowed the Holy Spirit to work, which took about a year, year and a half, almost two years, not because of God, but because I was so stubborn. But they didn't really focus on the sexuality or the immorality of homosexuality. And I think that that's a good lesson for us to learn, because when we kind of talk about the the sin, people don't understand that, because sin to them means you murder, you steal, you kill. Um, and, And so when we say that homosexuality is a sin. What they interpret that is that um, that being gay is sinful. Mm-hmm. Now I need to unpack that. I don't really use those terms like to describe myself in saying that I am gay, but many people do because they associate their feelings, their what you know, science would call an orientation, with their identity, with who they are. I think as Christians we can separate our feelings, our temptations, even our actions from who we are, because we know that we're created in the image of God, but we also have a sinful nature. But if you don't have that biblical framework, you do not understand that, and and what you do, who, what you feel is who you are. So I often, actually when I interact with those who, who don't come from a Christian faith, uh, on this issue of homosexuality, I don't really start with the immorality of homosexuality, I simply talk about identity because that was mm-hmm. what was most powerful for me. It wasn't the six passages in Scripture that condemn homosexuality, which often we will go to, yes. but it was really the passages in Scripture that talk about how our identity needs to be in Jesus, that we need to be in Him, that we that uh, we need to deny ourselves, pick up a cross, and follow Him, that, that we've been crucified with Christ and no longer live, but Christ lives in us. So it was those passages where I realized, you know what, I had put my identity in the wrong thing, in Mm. my sexuality. I told myself I am gay, and I told everyone else I am gay. But I realized that my identity shouldn't be found in my sexuality, in my feelings. But my identity as a child of God needed to be in Jesus Christ alone. So, I often tell people you know i 'm not i 'm not gay i 'm not straight; I just want people to know me as being a follower of jesus uh, there's a passage um, several times God tells us throughout the Old Testament, throughout the New, where he says, "Be holy, for I am holy." I thought before coming to Christ that to please God, I needed to become straight that 's mm-hmm. what was necessary for me to to become right with God, but You know, we read Scripture through the lens of our experience, and what I was reading was that God did not say, Be heterosexual, for I am heterosexual. But He didn't say, Be homosexual, for I am homosexual. He said, Be holy, for I am holy. Yes. what that meant to me was, regardless of whether my feelings change or not, regardless of whether this temptation goes, I needed to focus upon living a life of holiness and living a life of purity, regardless. So I say change is not the absence of struggles, but change is the freedom to choose holiness in the midst of our struggles. Mm. What that meant was, you know, how, what does that mean you know, in regard to my sexuality? Well, I only see two scenarios for the outworkings of our sexuality. One, if you're married, complete faithfulness to your spouse of the opposite gender. Or, if you're single, complete faithfulness through abstinence and celibacy. And, you know, today, kind of in, in our evangelical churches, we don't really have a place for singles. Often singles really feel left out, and I think a big part of being able to minister to people affected by homosexuality is reclaiming biblical sexuality, uh, b- biblical singleness, and um, okay. uh, and, and I, because I think that for many people coming out of homosexuality, singleness will be a reality that they will live with, live with for. A, a period in their life, a, a chapter in their life, or maybe even the rest of their life, but that's okay because we have hope in Christ.
3: Mm hmm, mm hmm.
2: We we are soaking all that in of what you said, and um, that, and and this is exactly why I use the term. I actually digested your book. I did. Mm. I did. You can't just read through it, because especially in that last chapter, when you really break it down to in, in what you just said just now, how you came to that conclusion, I think, is, is so powerful, because it's exactly it's our identity in Christ. And even so many times as, you know, with youth pastors and pastors and just like Angela, when you went to, you know, this person and got the pamphlet. It's easy for us to hand pamphlets out, which, mm-hmm. as we know, the Holy Spirit can work through. You know anything, but also just for us to realize that when people do come to us, to focus on those verses of we are Christ followers and it's about mm-hmm. Jesus loving us and us loving Jesus. And and I love how you you came to that conclusion. I also love that you call it holy sexuality. Mm-hmm. Did you just when you were going through scripture? did that just come to you or how, how did you even come up with that phase?
0: Yeah well you know I think it, it, it was in a sense playing off of society's overemphasis upon our sexuality that um, you know you're either gay or you're straight or I mean that sexuality is such a big part of who we are and, and, and I just kind of reconsider that and I thought really is, is it really that big of a part I mean certainly it, it feels like it at times
4: mm-hmm.
0: And yet, when we look at Our lives from the eternal perspective you know Jesus even says in Matthew chapter 22 that there will be no marriage in heaven which go which I I mean if there's no marriage in heaven then I don't believe that will be that there will be sexual intimacy either in heaven and so I I think our sexuality from the eternal perspective is really not that significant and yet now our sexuality often seems so big so I, I thought well you know it's not heterosexuality that should be our goal because even if you have heterosexual feelings. You need to pursue holiness. And it's not homosexuality, and, but it's holy sexuality. And so I kind of coined this term and just called it that because I think that really focuses it um, upon God. Yes, certainly God gave us our sexuality, but I think not to be something to be, um, you know, just focus upon us, but I think our sexuality should really draw us to the life after.
2: And that leads to the question that you answer so well when people ask you, do you think you'll ever marry?
0: Mm. You know, I am open to getting married. I think there was a time where I thought, you know, I'm not going to get married. I'm just going to live a, a celibate life. And I, I, God kind of convicted me, and he said, don't plan your future anymore, <laughs> because I've done that in the past, and that got me into you know, a lot of trouble. So I'm open to whatever God has for me, and I think that's a good place for all of us to be, mm-hmm. um, to just be open for whatever God has for us in the future, especially those that, you know, the listeners that might be living single now, and, and the majority of singles that I know that are in the 30s, 40s, maybe 50s, want to get married, but for whatever reason, find that they're not, and you know, be open to marriage, but be, you know, know that God is sovereign and that He's not, that He's not putting you in this situation to punish you or somehow that you're not ready, but I think He's He wants to use this to draw you closer to God. I believe marriage is to draw us closer to God, and I also think that singleness is to draw us closer to God as well.
2: Well, we only have two minutes um, to the end of the show. Is there anything, any tips, anything you can leave us with before we we end? And now it's one minute left.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, I would say, you know, as we approach this issue, especially now with kind of elections coming up, and I think that this issue will be one of the main issues, I, I, you know, I kind of thank God that I'm not a politician. I, you know, maybe that's a, a plus of of having a felony on my record. <laughs> but I, I, I want us to, in the midst of all this confusion and politics and all of that. To focus upon the Gospel, I I want us to just lift up Jesus, even in the midst of our interactions on this issue of homosexuality, and really to see that Jesus is the one that is the answer. He's the one that will bring clarity, and He is the one that will bring us to a life that is transformed.
2: I love that. Jesus will bring us to a life that is transformed. And we just have to thank you again, Christopher and Angela, for being on our show today. If you would like more information, you can find them on the website. And we have that listed at www.girlfriendit.com. And we will talk to you next week.